I was in the accounting uh, department, so it was more like um, implementing an electronic expense reporting package and and fixed asset accounting and and real you know exciting stuff. Not not you know your Wolf of Wall Street stuff. I mean, you need people to do it. I mean, you talk about a great job going into accounting, whether the numbers are black or red. People need to know what they are. Hello and welcome to You Can Do It, Do It, a podcast about people whose lives have been transformed by trying something new. Longtime listeners of the show, you may have noticed Chris Jaley did the intro for today's show talking about accountants. And boy, do we have a treat for you. My full name is Dean Weinberg. I'm a CPA, certified public accountant, a business advisor, and uh, we have an office in Warwick, our, our headquarters in Warwick, Rhode Island. And we have a new satellite office at the CIC Providence building, which is also very cool and fun. What does an accountant do? You know, there's lots of different kinds of accountants. Okay. A public accountant uh, means that you are uh, you know, for hire by public businesses and individuals. And you, uh, you know, as such, you, you have a responsibility to your client, but also a responsibility to the public things like audited financial statements. So you, that department in our office reviews financial statements of our clients and make sure that they're not misstating things on those financial statements so that investors or uh, the banks can rely on them. So you're, you're kind of like necessary control between the business and any other entity to make sure that things are... We do. We're bean counters. Okay. Uh, and uh, we're business people. We, you know, we, yeah. We're entrepreneurs and understand um, you know, what, what it takes to succeed with the business. And mm. you know, we advise our clients to make that happen. Yeah. And CPA, that's a professional designation, right? It is. It means that you passed the CPA exam. It means that you have a, a certain number of experience hours to get the certification and you know, obviously the education. Yeah. And that's an undergrad in accounting or? You don't need an undergrad in accounting. I, I don't have one. Oh, wow. um, okay. You need, uh, you know, just all, all the relevant classes to be able to sit for the CPA exam. So you don't need a degree specifically? Just Yeah, I mean, you, you don't need a specific degree, I think, if you have all the classes. I th but, you know, I think if you have those classes, that likely means you have some sort of degree. So, yeah, my, my uh, master's degree is in, you know, an MBA that has uh, an accounting focus. You said before you become like a licensed CPA, you have to get a certain amount of hours in. What are you up until that point? Yeah, anybody can call themselves an accountant. There's no okay. rules to that. But the CPA, that's a designation. And so that opens, you know, uh, the the doors that you talked about of being able to work with companies that interface with the public and do things for the public. Now, are there accountants behind closed doors that are... You mean like inside a company? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's called being in private, in industry. So yeah, companies have have accountants. Absolutely. Yeah. And now did those accountants try to not be accountable to the public? Like there's this like, is there this like, you're like the good guy and they're like the, well, neutral guy. There, there is a, a, a dichotomy there. Um, you know, if you think about it, we, we are as you know, the, the CPAs, the external CPAs were coming in, uh, might be auditing the financial statements of the company that were prepared by the internal accountants. So they're sitting there enjoying their life. And then that one time of the year, they have to put up with us. We come in, we're going to be there for three weeks and audit their financials and usually not 
super happy to see us, yeah. provide to us what we request um, in, in terms of documents sure. and generally become a hassle for them for, <laughs> uh, for a few weeks and then, yeah. and then go away. Yeah. After making all sorts of adjustments to their books. And that usually happens. Usually there's there's something wrong. Usually there's something. That's right. Yeah. I'm not an auditor, by the way, I should say. This is uh, so in the world of public accounting, you've got a few sectors there, a uh, few uh, different areas you can go into. So auditing is its own thing. Uh, and there's the world of tax accounting and then advisory. Okay. So advisory um, you know, more what I do, advising businesses on, on uh, growth, et cetera. What are some qualities that you look for in people who are going to be accountants? Is there a, is there a quality that you find in people? I can be uh, in the world at a party, let's say, and there's the old, well, what do you do? And mm. I'm, an, I'm an accountant. And, you know, people... Instant delight. <laughs> sometimes, it, well surprise. Yeah. Hmm. You don't seem like an accountant, I oh. guess. Maybe the way I'm dressed right now, I just came from work, but you know, I don't know. I, th I think there is probably a type. Um, and I don't think I'm it because people are, uh, generally surprised to, to hear, to hear what I do. You know, I, I don't know our, our office, you know, we've, we've got great people there of all types, you know, but I think generally, you know, you, you like to analyze things, generally care about business and, and, um, you know, what makes a company tick. That's good. That should be interesting to you. I don't know if you're an auditor, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of ticking and tying and putting things in boxes and checking, you know, does this, you know, did this payment clear? Is it a real check or whatever? That's all important for in the world of auditing tax, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, on some levels, it's, it's, there's a lot of forms involved, but, you know, this software generates a lot of the forms, but you have to understand the tax law and what you're seeing on the form and, you know, making best possible scenario for the, for the company to maximize the tax law for its benefit. And then you've got to see that all the way through to the, the filings. So I don't know what kind of person that is, an insane person. Diligent, <laughs> <laughs> persistent. So <laughs> do you not do the tax side because you're doing the advising or do you? Do I, you I do. I'm, I, I would categorize myself, um, you know, t tax slash advisory. Okay. So uh, you're partially uh, insane. Par partially insane. Okay. Yeah. But not clinically. Not clinically. And not certified because that would require another designation. That's true. Yeah. I yeah. do feel like, yeah, like the auditing side seems like that would be a very particular type of personality because you just, I'm sure you have to dig into numbers in such a way that you just have to be obsessed with it. I don't know. I feel like you would go crazy doing something like that, having to balance that. You have to really care about the rules and have, uh, you know, there's no tolerance for a gray area. Which advisory, I'm sure, is very different. So I, I kind of want to break it down to like first principles to sort of get into like what, kind of talking about a business, right? And figuring out like what the components are about a business that makes it work and then how an accountant kind of works with those things to help that business process, right? So a business makes money, income, revenue, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I guess the, the, the fundamentals, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got income, you've got your margins, your gross margins. So What's, what's gross margins? Well, you've got your, 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 your costs related to um, the making the product or delivering the product or service, right, directly related. So if you're a manufacturer, this is the cost uh, of you know, buying the materials and then, you know, turning those materials into your, your item for, for sale. Yeah. Um, 
you know, direct labor costs. So these are the people on the production floor, not the, uh, you know, the accountants in the office or the, you know, the managers or, or, uh, or, you know, the people working in the, the cafeteria. Uh, these are the people on the floor making, making the product. Um, so, you know, that, and that's your margin, right? Your, the revenue of gross, gross revenue minus those costs is, is your margin. And, you know, there's fundamentals of, of, you know, different industries. What should that number be? What, what percent margin should you have for this industry versus that industry? Then uh, you've got all your overhead costs. So, you know, the cost of those managers, the accountants, the, the building, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, insurance and uh, things like that. And when you take all those away, you've got what, what's called your net margin or your net income. And again, in different industries, different expectation for what that bottom line should be. Yeah. So, yeah, on a lot of levels, um, you know, as advisors, we'll go into uh, a, a business and, you know, try and get those percentages where they need to be. They, you know, and, and uh, you know, and help them that way by applying those fundamentals. Yeah. But really, you know, businesses are different. You know, I, I really take that perspective that. Um, you know, you could have, uh, you know, two, two operations in, in the same industry and they just behave completely differently. So, you know, there, there's some fundamentals that don't change and then there's, you know, everything else that is just, you know, no, no, no two operations are the same. I think without a component like what you offer or understanding that business dynamic and how the income works and what their margins are, that's where a lot of them probably fail. I would assume it's just they just don't know the business side of it, you know? And I think a lot of people we've talked to, there's an aspect of that as well. So it's just makes sense that they need that service. Yeah. I, I think failure comes in at, at all, in all different ways. So, you know, I've seen, um, you know, people that are highly effective at what they do and have no business sense. Mm -hmm. And if they partner with the right people, us or, 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 or someone else to keep an eye on the things that matter, then they can be successful. You know, I, I love a business owner that really understands a lot of the, the business fundamentals themselves, mm -hmm. um, even though it's completely outside of what their kind of core, um, you know, skills are. They, they have them just as, as you know, innate in, in themselves or, or they take an interest in it and they, 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 they study it, they read books or they just learn over the years from, from working with their professionals. Um, and they, and they retain that knowledge and, and apply it. That's super fun working with those sorts of people that, that, that get it. One of the hardest parts about doing your job is, you know, all the technical things aside and all the expertise aside is like not being able to share the stories of, of the people that I work with, like directly. Um, just knowing that there's like, there, there are confidentiality, you know, things in place. But one of the things that I'm curious about, not, you know, talking specifically, but kind of in general, you know, what, um, what could be some signs of a failing business? Well, uh, declining revenue is, is always a, a terrible thing to see. Um, margins sort of can come and go. You know, what I mean is, you know, I mean, with restaurants, food prices are always going up, you know, food costs, right, for, for the, the business, the f not reacting to that well, not raising your own prices or, or you know, figuring it out some other way, you know, that, that's always a problem, you know, but I, cash flow is, is such an important thing um, to, to keep an eye on. So you can have a company that's 
doing great revenues, but the cash isn't showing up. So, so that can be a problem. They're carrying too much inventory. They're, they're uh. not collecting their receivables from their customers um, or not collecting them quickly enough. Um, so that can be a problem. You can have a very successful business that, that, that goes under because of cash flow problem. Wow. You need money to stay open. You're gonna pay, you need to make payroll every Friday. Yeah. Right? You need to pay the rent. You need, you know, you've, you've got, you, you got to order products so you can, so you can make more, you know, make more of your product and, 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 and sell. If you run out of cash, you can't do that. Is that an indicator for a successful business too, that there's plenty of cash kind of available and coming in? Great or? question. You don't want to be holding on to too much cash. Um, you know, you, it, there, there's a right amount. If you're sitting on a, a, a pile of cash, you're not deploying your assets mm. well, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not going to have a good return on, on assets. So, so that's a good question. You, you know, there's, there's a right amount. Yeah. Um, and if you're probably some opportunities you're missing, if you're, if you're sitting on too much cash growth, I mean, you know, if you're sitting on too much cash, maybe you should be opening another location or, or another product line or, you know, who knows? more more R&D for for something else maybe you should go buy a, a competitor or buy one of your customers something we've seen a lot of in the last you know 5 or so years is a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions yeah. because uh, you know companies are just sitting on a, a lot of cash it's a scary stock market you know with the the volatility you know cash in the bank isn't earning anything the interest rates are are, are so low you know, people are wondering what to do with the money, so they're they're buying small businesses. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of M and A's for for you know five plus years now. You mentioned that you hear about these businesses, and they interest you, and you actually like kind of pursue them. And so I thought that was kind of um, again another interesting aspect of you being an accountant that I don't think of people being like, oh, I I I want to. I want to work with you. I want to help your business grow. I think you're doing really cool things. I would like to be your accountant. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. I like this work because <clears throat> I like business, right? I, I, I fancy myself an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I've always been just into, you know, just, you know, business ways to make money that are interesting from a very young age. And you know, I get to go now every day to work and throughout my day, I'm in all these different industries of my, of my clients. And that's interesting to me. And I think if I had to choose one, if I had to just be in the restaurant industry and that was what I did, or I had to be in, you know, be the uh, controller is another, another word for an internal accountant, right? Oh. If I had to be the controller for a dental office or something, mm -hmm you know, or a manufacturer, I, I, that would not interest me at all. But I get to go every day and pop in and out of these different industries and talk about what makes those industries tick and what makes the particular client that I'm talking to in the world of their industry tick. Um, and so, so that to me is, is very interesting. <clears throat> I also... Um, you know, along the lines of your question, you know, it's a small town. Providence is just so wonderfully um, small. And if something cool is happening here, I don't know. I'd like to be a part of it, you know. Yeah, it's um, kind of within an arm's reach, so yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah, I like to, like, 
pop around town and say, oh, there, I work with those guys. Oh, I work with those guys. Or see, you know, I don't know, maybe this is like super nerdy, but like, you know, the magazines come out like Eastside Monthly or, uh, you know, Rhode Island Monthly. And I like to flip through and just like see how many of my my people are on the pages. Yeah. You know? My wife is annoyed when I do that every <laughs> She's kind of like, all right, all right. I know you're yeah. very cool. Well, the way he does it too is he'll cut out the picture of them right. and and uh, tack it to the wall with red string going from picture to picture, all the connections. Right, yeah, but yeah. the, 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 the string all goes to a picture of his face in the middle, right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I get it. I get yeah, it. Uh, you know. So I, I don't know. I I, I like that uh, that aspect of it, but you know, I mean, it's, it's such a great area. People are so. so creative, um, doing interesting things. And I like to be involved. I am a, I'm a, an art appreciator and a music appreciator, but have very little creative talent. So it's my way of, uh, you know, being involved. I I work with a lot of musicians too. And, you know, people say, well, you know, okay, so fine. You're, you're, you do what you do. You're an accountant. You know, was that your dream? Absolutely not. You know, I would have liked to have been the drummer for the E Street Band, mm. um, if I could pick a pick a dream. Yeah, um, very specific. But absolutely little drumming talent uh, that is <laughs> showcaseable. Uh, so I work with some great bands, and we go see them play. And again, with my wife, I get to lean over and tell my wife, "I'm basically <laughs> in the band right now." <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, you're you're looking at them on stage. I, mean, I play the I would, spreadsheet. I play the spreadsheet. I mean, I'd be up there right. with them right now, but you know, the cord won't reach. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bring your MacBook up, and you're just like filing their their right. tax preparation. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. my my way of participating. You know. No, I think that's awesome. I mean, it, it, everybody has a role to play in how these businesses succeed. So that's a really important part of it. Now, what um, what kind of so some of these bands are like businesses. I guess that part. Absolutely. Is. A band is a business. I guess. Not, yeah. o- not always, but you, know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. get on the road. I guess I don't and... think of a ton of like local, like uh, local bands being businesses necessarily, but. A lot of them are. A lot of them are. Huh. Yeah. We can't name any, which is. Sorry. Yeah. It <laughs> makes it tougher. But yeah, you don't have to say any, but it's just interesting. Like, huh. is it. Most of my band clients are not, not local. Um, okay. You know, they're, they're just from, from other places. Yeah. yeah I got a few still... local ones, but. Okay. Um, and is it like, so they're merchandise touring, like, uh, roadies, like those kind of things. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Sorry. It's so like, this is the, these are the stupidest questions that could be asked. But like, <laughs> for me, all of a sudden I'm like, right. When you're a successful band, you make money. And when you make money, you're a business and yeah. when you're a business, you need accounting. They get 1099s. They need corporations set up. And oh, man, they... their 1099s are probably insane for a, a band. I mean, like all the different places you're playing. That's like... right. So like each, would each event, I, I, I no, keep be, going. I like this. I mean, I actually, I, I do find this stuff very interesting. I, I I've, you know, I am interested in, in business and I, I like variety and, and how like businesses are constructed and, and run. Um, but also I used to be a freelancer and so you, I used to have 1099s from all my different clients and stuff, but I've never really thought about like doing a tour across the country. Like, yeah. do you have a different 1099 for like every venue? Yeah, well, let's get into this because maybe not all of your listeners are asleep yet. So let's, <laughs> let's go. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A, a, a band, they get in the van and they drive across the country and they're playing and <laughs> I need a second. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing because it's true. No, it's 
stressed. Yeah, very good. Uh, like, like people stayed awake for all of Jim Nellis's interview. Come on. Listen. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, let's, let's keep that slamming. Yeah, I'm just yeah. kidding. I love you, Jim. I loved it. Oh, oh man. So, um, so the, the band gets in the van, they drive across the country, and they, they play in 20 different states on that tour. You know, maybe, maybe Jeez, more. Right. They get a 1099. They're supposed to file in that state more than likely Jeez. if the income is a you know it's above a threshold certain, yeah. in every every state. But most of the bands, you know, you play a, a, a night there, you're, you're you're above the threshold. Let's really put people to sleep. So California is going nuts right now. All, all the states are you know they're they're you know they want their money. They want to get paid in the sort of freelance economy or you know just people being able to work from you know across the country in in your state right. is just becoming more and more prevalent uh part of the economy so you know states are trying to figure out how to collect um california is going nuts they've always been you know pretty ahead of the curve and like going after their money um this year i just read this uh, the other day on it was a letter what what makes you have to file in california so if you own a, a business that's registered in california fine that's normal i get it we got to file there uh number two if you um, have any sales or business that happens in the state of, of California. Fine. No, no big deal. If you employ people in California, uh, they're on California payroll. Fine. File there. They added this one on this letter that was just always absolutely insane. If you provide services that benefit a California company, what? whether or not your business is in California, that's still California income, which, first of all, no way. Yeah, no way we're, we're giving in on that one. But just think about that. I mean, that means that I'm, I mean, I, that means our firm has to file in California. We're in Rhode Island. If I never go to, Rhode, never go to California all year, I'm providing a service that's benefiting a California company. That's California income now. <laughs> that's what they're saying this that's year. That's wild. All of a sudden. Wow. We should, I mean, Rhode Island should do that. We've been pressed on the, uh, generating state income tax for a long time. Yeah, we should do dumb things I get, like that. Too. Uh, yeah, I, I bet California would pay it. <laughs> <laughs> we should try. try. Get them on the phone right now. Yeah, get Cali- Hi, Hi California. Get California on the phone. <laughs> this is Rhode Island. Call Mr. Oh, call Robert California right now. Call Tim Apple up. Get him on. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the fact that like some kid is thinking about like, man, it's so cool that bands tour across the country. I wonder how they pay taxes in each state <laughs> they go to. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, part of how I got into it is my my friends were in those bands. And they were like, mm. we don't know how to do this. You know how to do this. Do you do this for us? Yeah. You talked about telling us a little bit about how you got into, like, becoming an accountant for bands. But how did the accountant journey sort of happen in general? Like you, you said, you, you know, this wasn't your dream growing up. What, what was, and then I guess what, yeah. what went yeah. wrong? This was nobody's, <laughs> it was nobody's dream. Uh, <laughs> there's so, it's somebody's dream. Let's, I don't know. Uh, how, how to start. So, you know, I don't, my, my father is a CPA. So okay. the, the firm that I'm at, you know, now is a firm he started 45 some years ago. Oh, it's wow. genetic. Um, it's genetic. <laughs> I, so I, I grew up, you know, um, you know, way back, you know, he would be working at during, during taxis and he'd be home on a Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm three years old and, you know, I'm helping him, you know, gather up credit card receipts and <laughs> nice. stuff. So he was, you know, that he yeah. was like, 
doing the books for businesses. This is, you know, way back. That's how you had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. You know, so I'm sitting on the floor and, and helping them out. So, you know, that, that didn't do it for me. That wasn't, that's (laughs) not what pulled me in, but you know, it's, it's, it's something I've always been around, you know, and then in the, in the summers, you know, as a teenager, I would go in, you know, back, back then, uh, you know, it's again before, Excel. So, you know, it'd be like footing ledger sheets, adding things up, you know, on an adding machine and that sort of thing. Yep. And, uh, so, so yeah, again, that, you know, obviously not doing it for a 16 year old, but it's it's in there. It's, it's part of the, part of the DNA. I was in business school in, in, uh, in California in the, in San Francisco area. And I had graduated undergrad. I didn't really know, you know, what direction I was going. I had some businesses, you know, like sort of, um, you know, my own entrepreneurial ventures that were brewing here and there, um, nothing particularly successful. And so I, so I go into business school after graduating undergrad and I just liked the accounting classes. I I don't know. I, I think I've resisted it more than the average person because of, you know, kind of growing up around it or it being in the family. Um, but I just, I just liked them. And then right around that time, my, my friends are starting their first businesses. So we're like sort of mid twenties, I guess, you know, so I I got friends starting businesses or sitting on my futon and starting companies and, and, you know, doing bookkeeping and, and, and whatever. That was really the the start of it. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, some of those I literally just talked to one of them today as one of those very first companies that, that, uh, you know, from, from back then, it's actually not my friends anymore. They sold the company to somebody else and I, I work with the, the new owners. When I moved back to Rhode Island, which was in, uh, the very beginning of 2007, I, I wasn't going to be here and not be at my father's firm. So, so I started there and we, we also thought we'd be here for a couple of years. Um, and then move, either move back, um, back out west or, or somewhere else. But that was 13 years ago. Mm. We're just <laughs> still here. I'm, yeah. I'm still at the same at that firm. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's great. Yeah. We, we love Rhode Island so much. Um, and, uh, and it's a great firm. I mean, we're, it's, it's, a, it's a great place. That was, that was, that was the pull in. I mean, that mixed with all the stuff we talked about earlier, just, you yeah. know, I, I, I like what I do. I like, um, you know, working with clients and helping them achieve their, their best. And it stays dynamic because of just the variety of industry you get to work with. Going deep with a client and really understanding everything about what makes their business tick uh, on the financial side, but also on so many other fronts, so many facets of their, of their company. So, so yeah, the, like a CFO would be that person internally or externally, uh, just for finances. It's not necessarily what you expect or what you normally get out of your CPA firm um, to get someone who's kind of like a CFO type person. Um, normally, you're hiring someone to do, uh, you know, your, the corporate tax returns or you know, like like we talked about earlier, auditing your financial statements. It's more rare to have your CPA really move in on the management team of your of your business and really want to be involved throughout the year. Yeah. And that's what we do. And that, that comes directly from Carl, my, my father, uh, still the, the managing partner of the firm. That's the way he taught us all. That's our hmm. um, 
that's our approach to client service is we mm-hmm. really move in onto the client's management team. And, you know, if we don't hear from our clients, you know, after a month, I pick up the phone and call them or, you know, find out what's going on because yeah. I, I'm not interested so much in clients that I hear from once a year in February to just wrap up the year before and do their corporate tax return. I, I, I'm not really providing much value if that's what I'm doing. Sure. Um, the value that I'm providing is, you know, keeping them on, on pace, doing what they're doing, pushing them to, you know, meet or exceed the goals that we talked about last time we, we talked, you know, check in on, you know, their, what, whatever the touch points are, you know, that, that, that are relevant for that client. I think that's what sets us apart. And I think a lot of CPA firms would say, you know, listen, everybody added, you know, business consultants to their business cards. Every CPA firm added business consultants, you know, certified public accounts and business consultants, you know, within the last 10 years or, or so. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, that's just, like I said, that, that that's the way Carl taught everybody at our firm, all the partners there and the, the managers, that's, that's like, that's what we're steeped in. That's our, that, that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, and that sounds like a big differentiator. I've, you know, I, I, I haven't really interacted with a firm that was like that. Usually it is, like you said, it's like you're, you're buttoning up the year, but at that point, like what, there's only so much you can do. I mean, there are definitely things you can do at that point, but if you haven't been like steering things throughout the year, there's a lot that's gone it's, wrong up until that point. It's reactive. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're making the best of what came before. You're, you're not talking about the company's performance at that point. You're talking about, all right, how do we minimize taxes? Right. Yeah. Whatever. How do we plug these holes before the end of the year? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or just not before the end of the year, but as we're filing. Yeah. Do you see any threats to that model? Like obviously one of them is, you know, everybody puts it on their business card, but is, is this a model you see kind of continuing into the future is like, this is the way things should be done. Or do you think that there's uh, an approach that you'll adopt that's even more effective? The world of business or in you know, particular industries change, it, th- those things change all the time. So there's always something next, you know, decades ago, Carl took a lot of his cl- manufacturer clients to China to help hmm. them set up facilities and and produce there. And Rhode Island being a heavy manufacturing market, that was a big part of our past and, and, and present. Uh, in fact, Carl got back. He was just back today. He was in, in China. It's where he, he goes three times a year to... Oh, know, wow. We have... We, we, have an office in Hong Kong that, hmm. um, you know, just to service those clients in, in, uh, in manufacturing in, in China and other, other countries in Asia, you know, is that super relevant today? I mean, I, I don't know if we'd be like making first moves to, to do that now, but you know, those companies are all still open. Yeah. And because he did that, you know, a handful of decades ago, those companies, uh, didn't move a hundred percent of their, workforce to Asia, they actually employ, you know, a hundred, 200 people here in Rhode Island to, to support that, that company. I don't know. We're, we're, we're always moving forward, looking for the next thing in terms of how we deliver our services. I don't, I don't know if that the approach changes much. I mean, the technology changes a little bit. I mean, when when I first moved here, uh, from California, I went back to the West coast three, four times a year for a few years. And I, I don't have to do that at all anymore. I don't have to be in front of those clients at all. I, you know, you mentioned threats. I, I don't, and I, I tell this to, you know, my, my clients also, I think it applies to us and it, it applies to clients. 
and this is just my grandfather. My grandfather was a used car salesman. He, his number one thing was, it doesn't matter what you do, just be the best at it. That's it. If you're the best, nobody can take you out. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. That's I, I just feel like, you know, that's an important thing for for everybody. You know, people do a lot of hemming and hawing about, oh, you know, can I do this? Can I be competitive in this? Can I be competitive in that? Um, you know, just focus on what you're doing and be the best at it. And, you know, people are going to knock on your door. Now, when's the right time to find an accountant? I have a few different ways to answer this, but like from a personal return, like a personal tax return perspective, I'm a big fan of people filing their own personal tax return until they can't anymore, until it's gotten so complicated that it's out of their hands. So it's a little similar with a business. If you are um, able to, and it, and it, and the time suck part of it doesn't impact your business, it's good for you to keep your own books um, you know, I don't know about filing a company tax return, but you know, it's good for, for like the owner to really be involved on some level. Um, there's also kind of an, uh, like an, like a, uh, an arc to a, a business and what they need for, um, at least on like, not on tax filing, but on like the, the accounting sort of bookkeeping end of things, you know, a very young business really should be doing that themselves. You have the owner, they should really be like staying up the extra hour, you know, one or two nights a month, reconciling their own bank account, entering their transactions into QuickBooks or whatever they're using and to really keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on with the business. Yeah. Then they grow to the point where, um, maybe they're making a little money. The owner's time is much more useful, not doing that, but doing other things, you know, f looking for new customers or, or whatever. Um, so they outsource it and that's great too. Um, and so that, that, that's a, a, you know, that middle life cycle of the business. And then, and then the business grows big enough that they bring it back in house and they've got that controller, hmm. um, you know, in, internal accountant that, that is, uh, managing the, um, the books of the business and, and working with the external accountants. Yeah. Um, but you were more curious about, you know, what, what's the right time for a business to hire a, a, an external accountant like, like us. And, you know, I guess the, the answer is like at the very beginning, because you're doing things at the start that have a, you know, have a, a big impact on, uh, on the business. So, you know, what kind of, business entity you're forming? Is it an LLC or an S corp or a C corp or whatever? You don't want to make those decisions on your own, you know, unless you know what you're doing. Yeah. So hire someone right away. Um, and then the tax filings, you know, you, you don't want to be doing a corporate tax return on, on your own. Um, you know, sole proprietors that just kind of file on your personal return, um, as a, you know, a, a, on a schedule C it's called, um, you know, most smart people can handle doing that. That's fine. It's good to have someone in your back pocket that you can just call with a couple of questions, whether or not they're costing you a lot of money. So on day one, to answer your question, the short answer is right away. Hire someone. Yeah, you're not hiring them, but like reach out to someone, get them on your team. What's the difference between a calculator and an adding machine? How, how much time do you have? Now we can really get into it. An adding machine is... Uh, I think the numbers are, I'd have to see a calculator, but the numbers are like inverse or like, like reversed, okay. I, I believe on an adding machine. Um, and you know, an adding machine, you want to have like a good feeling machine where like the buttons are 
bigger and you know you can really feel mm-hmm. them okay. and be able to hit that plus button with your thumb um and an adding machine might have tape in it so it's like running a tape as as you go like a real like paper tape that you're like Oof. looking at um i'll tell you accountants are like lightning fast with with that thing uh or at least i think i'm almost like the dividing line generation wise like i'll, I'll take on anybody with, with an adding machine i'll, I'll really? rush you um and that's a that's a anybody who's listening that's a, that's a challenge it's a challenge out to podcast just put the guy i'll take you on yeah. uh <laughs> you hear that jt jt yeah come on jt <laughs> going down jane Jan Dane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who else? <laughs> Who's done this show? Uh, you know, the younger generation, I'm noticing, they're not using an adding machine, on, like a physical machine on their desk. They're using like the thing on the computer screen. And you can't be as fast on that. I don't care. Or they like add it up in Excel. But even like the getting the numbers in there, you need the sort of feel of an adding machine to really manual buttons yeah because do you still have yours yeah what do you mean yeah because yeah i mean the way he's talking about it like i feel like if he was like i mean i don't have one anymore that would be oh my god do i have one i love my adding machine. so it hasn't it's not a not going to replace not going to be replaced and it's still got paper never i i love mine so much i taught taught myself to mouse with my right hand i'm a lefty yeah i taught myself to mouse (laughs) with my right hand so i can adding machine with my left hand yeah Hey, can we swear on this show or no? We sure, don't swear. Yeah. I'm fucking unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> With, uh, adding machine left, mouse on the right. What is not the, to be? Are they yeah. interacting in any way, or is this just no, you I'm doing like, the number on one hand? Well, I'm like looking at things. Like I might be mousing yeah. around my He's computer, finding the numbers. Yeah, I'm getting. Oh, so you're like getting the number. Yeah, yeah, like whatever I'm doing. Like we have work papers, yeah, and I'm like, you're like finding the numbers. You're... Yeah, and I'm banging out the, the adding machine. Absolutely it's incredible. That just blew my mind. Yeah. The, the, the Rhode Island Society of CPAs does this accounting Olympics. Um, yep. You thought it was nerdy. Here we go. Uh, and <laughs> that's the thing you should bring up at parties. Exactly. But, but, the, um, not to I'm say an, anything bad about what the, do you do the, for a living. The, I'm an Olympic athlete. <laughs> yeah. I'm an Olympian. <laughs> no, but they don't do these things. Like I think they should do an adding machine yeah. contest. They, instead they try and do like, you know, paper airplane contests and like, oh, you know, oh. like they're not like a non office related things. Yeah, I think they yeah. should make it office related. As a side note, my firm, uh, three-time running champion, we just lost this last one, but did not count this last one, three-time overall champion of the Rhode Island Accounting Olympics. That's Whoa. right. That's, it's, uh, we got Dean Weinberg on the show. He's an accountant and former Olympian. I didn't think people used adding machines. You didn't anymore. think we still used them. No. I thought like I would think like Thomas Edison used an adding yeah. machine. Well, because we just for our office we just bought two ten key keyboards that plug into USB. Yeah. yeah so like a like a just like the square part. Just the square part. Yeah. Just so, the numbers. Yeah. We need that too. That's like we're just going out on, uh, in the field. Maybe you're bringing a ten key, a yeah. USB ten key, and you use that for for t- words and typing and. Well, how fast do you think you could go on a regular calculator? You can't because you've you, got to hold yeah. it with two hands and use thumbs. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. Versus right. a calculator, there's I can't imagine. I can't get a square root in an adding machine, but it's, it's fine. We're not dealing in square roots. <laughs> that was the kind of math he was, he's like rolling through a document. <laughs> <laughs> Exponential notation. Let's, Let's get the square root of this revenue. Yeah. Fantastic. Wow, it it is a, a, a 
you know, people, one, one thing they assume about you as an accountant, like that you're good at math and that's not a thing, you know, we're, mm. we're not math people. I mean, that, right. that's the, the, the 10 key adding machine. Um, you know, we're, it's more like we're regulation people, we're, we're laws, people are tax rules, things like that. Yeah. Um, people assume that in software too. It's just things that they're like, oh yeah, math has to be like the thing you do. It's like, you actually don't have to be good at math. So, right. Yeah. Yeah interesting well i mean i guess you have to be good enough to add and, and subtract and divide numbers right? or know when numbers are uh, wrong uh, 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 yeah to know when they're wrong you look I mean, like you're about to say you'd be surprised you just got to yeah. get around numbers but you don't have to be like a math guy right you're saying huh. interesting right. yeah yeah there's only a few classes i failed in college and accounting was one of them really yeah i liked accounting yeah i wasn't afraid to fail classes in college too like a lot of people you know you know, drop out of a course. What a, what a courageous man. I'm not afraid to fail. No, I just, I like, I, there's, there's some things that are genuinely interesting that I'm not good at. And yeah. my accounting class was 100% that it was fascinating. Everything about it was fascinating except for doing the actual accounting work for me, like in, in the class, right. Accounting one ones like you've got, you know, you you have to figure out basically how to balance a whole sheet of numbers. And I'm not really, I don't love math and I don't like homework and I don't like, uh, repetitive tasks. Are you not a puzzle person? I'm a puzzle person, but I liked, I like the part of the puzzle that's like about when like, it's done. The, no, <laughs> like the case study about the business and like where they went wrong. Like I liked uh, finding out those things, but right. I didn't like the, like define assets, define liabilities. Uh-huh. Where on the sheet are you going to find these on corporate statements? Circle them. I'm like, eh, mm. I, I can whatever. Uh, uh, accounting is, uh, is one of the few, like, like really perfect, like closed loop yeah. systems. Well, the double, what is it? The yeah, double entry accounting. Yeah, that's so a, it, it is, you know, it's impervious. It's a, it, it's, you know, it's either balanced or it's not. Um, there's no, there's, there's no hole in the system, right? It's a perfect feel. And it's an invention, right? Like it's a thought technology that happened a long time ago. Yeah. It's been around. Did you know about this? Did you know about the, the, uh, 9 billion years ago, double entry (laughs) accounting? Like, do you know, do you know? I'm familiar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with it. My mind was blown when I learned about this. Like recently learned about. Oh, <laughs> I went through accounting it wasn't class. Nine billion years I, ago. I failed my accounting class yeah. in, in college to learn later in life about mm. this amazing thing. So can can you just just quickly? I, I, we're like over time, but it's totally good because this this is fun. Can you run us through like what double entry accounting is? Like what what that means? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it, it, so, well, uh, I guess the, the term double entry accounting means, um, you know, every, every like entry you make has an offset as a, 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 a a balance to it. So if you have like, um, uh, I've never had to explain this, a (laughs) hundred dollars. Well, more, yeah, more so like every, um, you know, you've got like assets and liabilities and equity, those are your balance sheet items. And then you've got your income statement items, which is your revenue and expenses. That's it. You've got these five things. And if you change one of them, you change another one of them. It might be two assets that you change. You might, a company might receive some cash, right? Uh, and well, this is not two assets. Let me, you know, double entry, like a, a, a company might receive some cash. So your cash goes up and you 
uh, where'd that cash come from? It came from somewhere. So that's the other side of the entry. Uh, a customer paid you, right? Mm. Or you collected a receivable, right? Or the owner of the company invested the money, put the money in, right? Mm. So it's, nothing just appears out of nowhere. Right. Um, you know, you, you, you have a expense, you know, and that is going to get paid for somehow, right? You, you, you have to, you know, it, it originates somewhere. So, you know, maybe your, your payables go up. Now you owe your vendor some money because you incurred an expense mm -hmm. or maybe you paid it in cash or maybe you charged it on a credit card, right? So there's always two, two sides. Right. I'm sure there's a better way to explain this. I've never had to explain accounting before on that super basic level, but right. uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the gist of it, I guess. Yeah. For every entry, there is a negative entry. Right. Debits and credits. Yeah. That's what those are. Well, Debits I hope one credits. of the listeners out there is, is as mind blown as Honestly, I, it's fascinating. Well, cause no, it, I think it, it's great. It forms, I think it's cool it, like Dean said, it forms this perfect system. Yeah. That's yeah. like when, you know, when you look at both sides, it has to match. Like yeah. it has to work together. If it doesn't work, something's wrong. Mm-hmm has to balance. Last thing I want to ask you, you know, one of the things that you talked about earlier was, you know, your enjoyment working with local businesses and even, you know, just people in general. Um, what's that done for you as a person? Like how, how have you seen yourself kind of improve or benefit or get joy out of that? Obviously I learn stuff every day. It's just the nature of of life, right? You know, you, you've got the same problem and then you've got like a new person like like in on it and like you get a completely different perspective or new solution. So, you know, I think like anybody at their, at their work, you know, I, I'm just constantly like learning new things. And uh, uh, so that's been a, a journey, you know, you add, you know, however many working days or working hours a year and, you know, times however many years, it's like uh, a lot of great stuff. Back to what we were saying earlier, you know, like the joy of just kind of being around town and seeing success, uh, you know, with people that, that, that you work with. I love that. That's the, that's the best part for me. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. And then to see how it impacts th their lives and their families and, you know, um, you know, people growing this thing that was like a little idea. I, I love it when someone's like on the phone or in my office and they're like telling me some crazy idea and then flash forward like five years later. And it's like, uh, that's like the, obviously that was like the best idea, even though it was at the right. time they're explaining it to me. I'm like, say it one more time. Like, what do you think people want? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they're like, they want this thing, you know? And, and then sure enough, it's like they did, they wanted that thing. And this person had the vision mm. and and they made it happen. And I, I love being a part of that, you know, it, for, you know, whatever my piece of it is. So super exciting just to, to be part of that. Well, Dean, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Yeah, thank really you guys. Fun. Yeah. It's good to have you. Yeah. Really fun. Thanks again for listening to You Can Do It, Do It. If you want to learn more about Dean and what he's up to, you can visit youcandoitdoit.com. Night Swim 
provided the theme song for the show. It's a song called Fiji, and we absolutely love it. You can find it where great songs are sold and streamed. Additionally, if you'd like to support the show, you can visit us at youcandoitdoit.com slash Patreon, where we have a few different sponsorship and patron options for you. Uh, and, you know, if you'd like to sponsor the show as uh, an official sponsor, you can do that as well. And uh, you'll get a mention on the show like we've had in earlier episodes. So thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.